Father's Day, dads. Thank you. And I want to say happy Father's Day to the grandpas today, too. Happy Father's Day, grandpas. That's like a new level of fun in our lives, isn't it? It's a good thing. Dads, before I jump into the message, I just want to say how proud I am of you for what you give and how you give to your families day after day, year after year. Uh, Those of you online, thank you, dads online and grandpas online as well, just for loving your families well. I know that Dad's Day can be kind of a mixed bag for those of us who maybe are missing our dad. So my dad's been gone about nine years. Just get that out there. And I did love my dad. And so there's definitely a a space in my life. Um, But I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my Heavenly Father and His love. Amen? Because He does meet us where we're at in those times of of loss and of missing and just those places that feel a little bit empty in our life that used to be filled in another way. You know, my relationship with my father was not perfect, um, but still, he was a very influential man in my life. And I am who I am today in large part because of my dad and his spiritual influence in my life. So I'm grateful for that. Well, we're in this series called Solid uh, in the book of Proverbs, the book of Wisdom. And so what I want to talk about today a little bit, obviously, is what makes life the most solid for us. And I think that is the presence of our Heavenly Father in our life, obviously, um, but also the presence of good fathers, good fathers in our lives. And, and hopefully that's you today if you're a dad here today. You know, a couple of weeks ago I was sitting around a fire with some friends of mine. We're all in our 50s, 60s, right in that age range. All of our kids are grown And we were talking about fathers, and we were talking, first of all, about our relationship with our children and kind of where we're at with our kids and what's happening with our kids, just sharing stories. And then we began to talk about our own dads. And for all of us, our dads had passed away by now. And we shared a little bit about how involved or not involved they were in our lives. And we were just sharing about how, you know, back when our dads grew up, it was a different era it was a different time, and I've, I've come to the place where I understand that about my dad, and I understand that, that it was just a different time for him. I mean, there was, there was the depression that he lived through. Dad was born in, like, 23 or 24, something like that. Lots of hard work, very little play. His dad was probably pretty hard uh, as a farmer in Iowa, you know, and it was just a, a difficult place and time to, to be young. And many of our dads had fought in wars, And my dad never talked about being in the military. I don't think I heard him mention it one time. Uh, Not until in his later years, like maybe just a few years to live, I asked him about it. And I asked him to share a little bit with me about uh, being in the war because dad was World War II. And so he was occupying in France toward the end of the war, part of that occupying force. And he opened up and shared a little bit. And one of the things he shared with me, I think really maybe cast some light on why he was a bit detached and maybe sometimes felt a bit disconnected from our lives. Maybe. I'm not sure. But he shared this story about how when he was in France, he had seen a boat carrying about 2,000 men uh, in the English Channel. He had seen it go down. Uh, This boat was coming over from England to France to fight in the Battle of the Bulge, and there were like 2,000 military people and personnel on board, and it got torpedoed um, by the Germans. And so this boat went down, and and Dad shared with me that he had seen this happen. And I found myself curious about this the other day and and wondering about that story, so I Googled it, boat that went down in the English Channel, World War II, bam, there it is, the whole story about this this boat that had gone down. 
And presumably the trauma that it caused as, as other military personnel watched 800 of our, of our men drown in those waters. And as I read the story, there was this center section in, in very big print. There was a quote from one of the survivors of this event. And the quote said, we were instructed to never talk about this to anyone. <laughs> and I found myself thinking, no wonder. No wonder we had men and women that have come home from wars that, in this case, were instructed by their superiors to never mention this event to anybody. Obviously, it got out, but, but it cast some light, maybe, on my dad's life and, and why he, he was kind of closed down. I wonder if a part of my dad went down in those waters, you know, as he watched people struggle for their life. I don't know. It, it just made me wonder about that. And it gave me just a little more um, grace for my dad, who wasn't perfect, as I'm not perfect as well. And then we four men started talking about how, how this experience with our own fathers has made us so appreciative of our Heavenly Father. It has made us really thankful for how connected He is and how engaged He is and, and how much He loves us and how we can count on His love day in and day out, every moment of every day. It's wonderful to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father like that. And, and if you don't, I just want to say to you, God is present for you. He's here for you. You can have that kind of relationship. You can include him on every moment of every day uh, as you struggle with life, as you maybe help raise kids, as you do your jobs. And not only is he a God that is present, but he is a God that is is overjoyed by you. He delights in you. And I don't know if you think about that, and I don't know if you believe that, but I'm here to tell you this morning, if you, if you don't walk away with anything else from this morning, I hope that you walk away believing a little bit more that your heavenly father, when he looks at you, he is overjoyed with you. He's overjoyed with you. He delights in you. Zephaniah 3.17, one of my favorite scriptures, says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And so number one in your notes today, I want to ask you this question and, and ask you if you feel this way about God. What is it that your heavenly father feels when he sees you, when he sees you? Now, you know yourself, and I know your perspective of you may not be what God's is, but, but what is it that God feels when he sees you? And I tell you, he feels joy. Your heavenly father feels joy when he looks at you. And we need to believe this about God. And I think this is why many of us struggle, because we don't really believe that God feels joy when he looks at us. But I want to say to you that your Heavenly Father on this Father's Day feels joy when he looks at you. He rejoices over you. Now, maybe we struggle with this because in some regard, maybe we didn't feel that joy all the time from our own father. I've told you some stories about that. I'm not going to tell more stories about that. But for some of us, it's just hard to believe. Or maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you've been far from God. Maybe you've been separated from him and maybe you feel like, like you don't deserve for him to feel joy over you. And I think the story in the Bible that best describes how God feels about you is the story about the prodigal. You know the story, right? The prodigal leaves home and he squanders everything that the father has given him for his inheritance like he's eating with the pigs and he comes back home and as he comes home, what does he see? 
He sees his father waiting for him. And when he gets there, his father rejoices over him and, and reinstates him to full position in the family. And that is exactly how your heavenly father feels about you. If you've been away from him and, and you come back home to him, he greets you with joy, not punishment. He reinstates you into the family. He, he wants to do that. He loves us and enjoys us so much. He's just happy that we're alive. Right? And that we come back to him. Proverbs 23, 2 says, The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. God is our true father. So let's talk just for a moment in this first point. Why does God feel joy when he thinks about me? When he thinks about you? Why is it that God feels joy? I want to give you three things, and there's probably more. But the first one is this. Simply, we bear his image. You're a chip off the old block of your heavenly father. Now, my mom would say that's sputtin'. That means taking religious liberties, right? But no, you're a chip off the old block. You're made in his image. He made you like him. He made you to resemble him. So for no other reason than this, and this goes for people who don't even know Christ, God loves us for God to love the world. God loves us because we're made in his image. We resemble him. We are his loved, created beings. And so, because we're made in his image, we have the ability to love and be loved. We have the, the ability to know and be known. Both of those very, very precious things that only humanity carries in our soul. God loves us. We're made in his image. Secondly, God feels joy because he sees Jesus in you. If you're a follower of Christ, this ups your value in God's eyes. I mean, he loves you outside of Christ. But if you're in Christ, your value goes through the roof because he sees you through his son. He sees you through Jesus' sacrifice for you. He sees you through the blood of Christ. You are righteous. Like it says in this verse in Proverbs, the father of a righteous child has great joy. You are righteous not because you're so good. You are righteous because he's so good. And so he sees you, and we've got to believe this, folks. We've got to believe that God experiences the feelings of joy when he looks at us, particularly through his son, Jesus. He is glorified, and he enjoys seeing us in Christ. Thirdly, God feels joy simply because he loves us. He loves us. Do you believe that? Do you believe? You're in church today. I'm hoping you believe this. Do you believe that God loves you? I'll tell you, there's some days when you wonder aren't there? Let's be honest. There's some days when you wonder if he does. But I want to remind you today that God feels joy about us because he simply loves us. If you're parents in the room today, you understand this. We love our kids not because they're perfect, but we love them because they're our kids, right? And so God is the same way. First John 3, 1, see how much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. God loves us simply because we're his children moms and dads grandma grandpa great grandpa great grandma your status no matter what your status is in the parenting cycle you know what this is like because you feel joy when your kid just calls you up or sends you a text 
or when your kid drops by the house for a cup of coffee or when your kid just wants to chat. I know I feel deeply overjoyed when that happens in my life. I absolutely love that. And God wants us as dads and moms, you can listen in too. God wants us to pass on this kind of joy to our families. This joy I just talked about that the Heavenly Father has for us, God wants us to enjoy our families that way. He wants us to represent Him to our wife and kids. So, Dad, what I'm going to say in the next few minutes is going to affirm some of you because you're doing it well, or you did it well, or maybe your grandpa, you're doing it well. But for some of you today, it's going to challenge you, and that's intentional. I want us always to be growing and moving forward in our ability to be great dads because, again, that is one of the things in our world that keeps us solid. And I call this being a 3D dad. You know, I think a lot of men feel about themselves that they're kind of one-dimensional. You know, you're the meal train. You bring home the bacon. You know, you pay the bills. You work. And that's your identity, and and that's one dimension of your identity. But I want to say to you that that I believe there's much more to being a dad, and I I would call it the 3D dad. And I want to make a disclaimer as I say this this morning, and that is that I was not a perfect dad. I made a lot of mistakes uh, in my uh, experience of raising kids, and I'm not a perfect husband. And so let me tell you why, and maybe some of you men will will um, relate to this and understand this. I'm not a perfect husband, and here's why. I'm selfish by nature. I was the last born of six. I was the baby of the family. And my parents were so tired by the time I came along, they didn't have anything left to discipline me with. I just did whatever I wanted. It's true. Ask my sister. She's here today. She'll tell you. Uh, I am selfish by nature. I tend to think that my life and the things that are going on in my life are the most important things. Anybody else think that way? Women never think that way. It's always about other people, right? But us men, this is how we think. And I have this mental disorder. It's called impatience. And the symptoms of this mental disorder called impatience are annoyance and frustration. So I have this mental disorder. Some people call it sin. I I think that's going a little too far, don't you? (laughs) It's a sickness. I had times... (laughs) Thank you, brother. I I got one guy for me today. I had times when I had to tell my kids, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I was impatient. I was frustrated. I was angry when I said that. I'm sorry. And my kids would always forgive me. And both of my children, now adults, 32 and 30 nearly, uh, both of my children have had times where they have shared openly and honestly with me as adults and have reminded me of the ways that I failed them. And we have hugged and cried and forgiven and gone on. And now um, I think that the slate is relatively clear uh, between me and my kids. But, but my point is that they did need to have that time with me. Whereas adults, they shared with me the places where I had let them down or made them feel controlled or or what have you. And so, you know, being a dad, um, delighting in our kids, that's the first thing. And maybe this might be the most important thing I tell you today. This is the first D of the 3D dad is delighting, like God delights in you, simply delighting in your kids. You might get the rest of the stuff wrong, but if you delight in your kids, then at least they know that you love them, right? If you don't delight in their kids, they always wonder. How did dad feel about me? But if you delight in your kids, if, you, if they bring you joy and you enjoy watching them grow up and you let them know that, a lot of the other things you can do wrong, but this one thing 
is important to kids. So I was at a grad party yesterday. I only had one yesterday. That was great. And I was talking to this one couple and their grandparents now. And they were sharing with me how when their daughter went to college and they saw her go off to college after 18 years in their home, how every night for weeks they would lie in bed at night and cry together. Both of them. The dad too. Uh, They would cry together. Why? Because she brought so much joy to their life. They enjoyed her so much. And now they missed her because they had enjoyed her so much. And I remember this as a dad. I remember when our Lindsay grew up and she graduated about 12 years ago from Linden. And she graduated in June. And about a month later, I think July, she was on a plane to Scotland where she stayed for three years. She came home a couple times. And I'll tell you, I would walk by her bedroom, which she left fully decorated in Lindsay style. I'd walk by her bedroom, and I could not go in. I could not go in. I knew if I went in, I was going to lose it. And so I could not go in. She brought so much joy to our lives. And the day came when finally I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I walked into her bedroom, and I sat on her bed, and I wept. And I just thought, man, I love that kid, you know? And I miss her so much. Well, why? Because she brought so much joy, because we enjoyed her so much. And so when you, when you lose somebody that you enjoy that much, or they move on, or they, the seasons change in your life, and you parents of graduating seniors, you're going through this right now. You're processing this right now. You're thinking about your kid moving out or moving away or, or just the season changing, right? And so there's a great amount of grief that comes. Well, that's because there's so much joy. I flew to Scotland twice in the next three years to see my daughter and to enjoy some time with her. But that's the first thing. That's the, I think the biggest thing our kids need from us dads. Dads, get this. Grandpas, get this. They need to know we delight in them. And we need to express that to them. That's the first D. The second D is that we display to our kids how to love. We display, display to our kids how to love. Like God displays his love to us. Like God displays that he loves us by forgiving us, by accepting us, by welcoming us back home when we have been away and we have, you know, squandered our inheritance in Christ. He welcomes us back. He loves us. Well, we display that to our kids as well. And there's a couple ways that I want to mention this morning that I think we display this to our children so that they can know that they're loved. And the first way is in how we treat our spouse, our wife. I truly believe with all my heart that kids notice how we husbands, how we treat our wife, how we talk to them, our tone, and whether things feel safe in the home, um, whether we are putting them down a lot or whether we're lifting them up a lot. And it teaches our sons how to treat their wives. And it teaches our daughters what to look for in a husband. And so a couple ways that I think that we need to display um, our love for our wife, our love for our neighbors uh, is because it teaches our sons to love like us, love like God, and it teaches our daughters to look for someone to love that way. Let me mention just a couple of ways that I think we need to love our wives and grow in this. And again, I'm not perfect. I have not done this well many times. But dads, your children need you to display tenderness to your wife, not harshness in how you speak to her. They need you to display acceptance, not criticism. They need you to display listening to understand, not ignoring her needs. And they need you to display loving her in her love language, not your love language. 
And they need you to display support for her gifts. In other words, letting her become all that God created her to be. Whatever that is, whatever desires and potential she has, that you would be on her team and you would help her reach her goals in life. I believe that you're, you're modeling to your kids, you're displaying to your kids how to love when you love your wife this way. And not just your wife, but also our neighbors. And that can be not just house neighbors, but people we work with or people we go to church with. How are we loving them? How are we serving them? Our kids are watching us. And our kids will pick up. More is caught than taught. Our kids will pick up uh, whether we are men who are about serving others or what, or whether we are just men about getting our own way and doing things our own way. So all of this is displaying the great commandment, which is to love God and love our neighbor. And, and guess what? Your wife is your closest neighbor. So delighting and displaying give us permission to direct. And that's the third D I want to share with you today. Proverbs 22.6. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older... They will not leave it. Usually we hear the words train up, but it's a better translation uh, to use the word direct. And the literal meaning of this word literally means to dedicate your child, your sons and daughters, dedicate them to the Lord, and then live in such a way as though you have dedicated them to the Lord. They are a sacred gift to God. God gave them to you. You return that gift to Him. And you love them in a way that your father, your heavenly father would approve that you love them. That's really what this means. It means to start them off in the right direction by delighting in them and by displaying this love of our wife and of our neighbor in our home. And then finally by directing them. You know, as dads, I think we often take the approach of do as I say, not as I do, right? Have you been guilty of that? I have. Do as I say. Be nice to your sister. Well, they could have easily said to me, well, dad, why don't you be nice to mom? right? Be nice to your sister. Well, dad, be nice to mom. You know, that's the kind of ways that children are learning by the display. Um, so dads, often we, we say that, do as I say, not as I do. And this does not work. This provides dissonance in our children's souls because they're seeing one thing, but they're experiencing another thing right? In their souls. We're telling them one thing and they're experiencing something else. So we have to show them. We have to direct them. We have to uh, welcome them on this walk with us as we walk through life, displaying the love of Christ. And this takes time for kids. So we got to go slower. We can't expect them to keep up with us. We've got to wait for them. We've got to give them attention. We've got to play hard with them. We've got to enjoy them. We need to let them enjoy us as their dads. And, and mostly I would say when we direct them, we let our words match what we display. Our words must match what we display. So delighting in our kids and displaying love in our homes gives us permission to direct them. And sometimes directing them involves discipline, right? It involves discipline. I'm not one that loves discipline because at my core I hate conflict. And so I'd rather take the easy way out and just give them their way. And that works well with grandpaing. It's a wonderful thing. I'm no longer responsible for how they turn out. And no, I'm just kidding. That's not true. But as we direct them, as we discipline them, we're always reminding them to remember the great commandments. It's really pretty simple. Everything we teach our kids or direct our kids has to do with this. Love God and love others. That's it. Love God and love others. And if you see them varying from that path, then you have to correct them. 
example, Friday afternoon we had our grandkids in the park, and we walked to the park, and, and some kid had left a stuffy. You know what a stuffy is. It was a really cute one with big eyes. Uh, stuffy and on the bench. And Trilby loves stuffies. And she's like almost three now, so she knows what she wants. So instead of playing on all the cool stuff at Million Smiles Park, there were no Million Smiles for Trilby. She wanted the stuffy. That's what she wanted. Nothing else mattered. It became about the stuffy. So she picked it up. She's playing with it. And I'm like, now, Trilby, that's not yours. You know you're going to have to leave that there. And she's like, yeah, right, Grandpa. I'm not going to do that. And so she's playing with it. And now she's starting to inch away from where she found the stuffy. I said, Trilby, you're going to have to put that back. You can't have that. That belongs to another child, another kid. And somebody's going to miss their stuffy. So she's inching, inching, inching. I'm like getting sterner. Now, Trilby, come on. Opa needs you to put that back, right? She takes off running. Like she, she is gone. Runs up the ramp, around the thing, back over where the big slide is. And she's going to get away from Opa. And she's not going to give this stuffy back. I was faced with a choice in that moment. Don't cause a fuss. No conflict. Or apply discipline. I did the right thing. I ignored it all. (laughs) I chased her down. I chased her down. I don't like to use restraint, but I had to. Use restraint. Took the stuffy. I mean, she just goes off like a siren. And now with, you know, 50 families there and their kids, I don't know if it were that many, but do you know how moms look at an old guy that's carrying a screaming little cute little blonde girl away from the play area? It's not pretty. There's no trust, right? So I get her back. We put the stuffy back. She's done. She's done. I don't want to be here anymore, you know. I said, you want to go to Bender? Yeah. So can I have a snack? Sure, you can have a snack. Yeah, okay, sure. So we head off to Bender. We're walking, right? So we get to Bender, and then she ends up nearly naked in the sprinkler. So, you know, she got pretty much what she wanted anyway. But here's what I want to say to you today. We're sharpening our children all the time as as we choose to do the hard thing. And we choose to sometimes face, you know, their unhappiness with us because we have to teach them a life lesson. And sometimes it means doing what they don't want you to do. Sometimes it means, and it kills me, not always saying yes because Grandpa loves to say yes, you know. Sometimes it means you have to say no uh, to help your kids learn the right thing. And what was the lesson for Trilby? It was... That belongs to another kid. That kid's going to miss it. So to love that kid, and she doesn't get it. She's three, right? So none of that makes sense to her. But what I want to say to you, grandpas especially, that we are true friends to our children and our grandchildren. When we take the time to delight in them, when we choose to display his love in our home to the best of our ability, and then when we do the hard thing of sometimes having to direct or discipline them, and we get to be a part of the family. In fact, grand, grandpas and grandmas, uh, we get to impact the family like like parents don't. And that's number three in your notes today. Granddads, we impart the family blessing to our grandkids. Does anybody remember this picture? Anyone remember that? So this picture hung over my grandfather's table. And this picture was a constant silent reminder of the fact that my grandpa trusted the Lord. He didn't say a lot about it, but this picture that I saw every time I went into his trailer, this picture hung over his table, 
And I knew he was a man that prayed. I knew that he was a man that trusted the Lord. I knew he was a man of faith. And he imparted that to me, even though he didn't talk about it much. And now this next picture, this is my grandpa Klaus. This is the man who had that hanging over his table. It's an old Dutchman. I don't know how old he was here. He was already old, um, but he was 96 when he passed away, and I was, I was 11. And so Grandpa imparted his faith to us by engaging us, by enjoying us, by singing songs of faith with his accordion. He, he only spoke pidgin English, so it was a mixture of Dutch and English. Um, and some of the songs he sang to us were probably just Dutch songs that he brought over on the boat. Uh, but some of the songs were hymns. And I'll never forget, I will never forget, Grandpa singing hymns. This is my story. This is my song. And that's my best, Nancy, did I do okay? That's my best, my best impersonation of Grandpa. And, and what he did for us was that he engaged us and he handed off his faith. He imparted his faith to us. He lived in a little trailer behind our house for as long as I can remember, in our backyard pretty much. And so then he would go to all of his kids' houses for dinner on different nights of the week. Ours, I think, was Tuesday night, which was often liver night because Grandpa liked liver. So I'm not sure how I felt about Grandpa coming for dinner because then I had to have liver. Um, but Grandpa played a huge part in our lives, mostly by engaging and connecting and letting us know that he loved us. It was as simple as that. And it was a choice that he made. He didn't have to. He could have stayed in his little trailer and, and not really been a part of our life. But he chose to come over. He chose to, to sit in our house and, and be around us. And so grandparents in the room today, especially grandpas, I want to say to you, we have a choice to engage. We have a choice to initiate. We have a choice to, to be involved uh, in our grandkids' lives. And if your grandkids live far away, you can at least learn how to Facebook time, you know, learn how to... <laughs> Learn how to run an iPad. Learn how to be in their lives. Um, but, but we have that choice to initiate and to engage as much as we possibly can because we have something important to impart. And what we have to impart is our faith. Now, I want to say something to you today, and this might be the second most important thing I say today, other than delight in your kids like God does in us. And it's this. Grandparents, we affirm our children's faith we affirm the fact that our kids are raising our grandkids to know the Lord. You see, they, they put it together that not only is this mom and dad's faith, but this is also grandpa and grandma's faith. And so it becomes a faith of legacy. It becomes a faith that is so deeply entrenched in the family that kids notice that and they know this worked for grandpa and grandma. This is working for mom and dad. And this is going to work for me. I'm telling you, Grandpa and Grandma, we have a powerful position in our kids' lives. We have the opportunity to really uh, speak faith, even if it's just with a picture of a man praying over his bread. We have, we have the opportunity to speak faith into the lives of our children. And so, you know, this is Father's Day. This is for fathers, but it's also Grandpa's Day <laughs> because I said so. And so <laughs> we make it about Grandpa's and Grandma's as well. And we impart the family blessing. So important that we impart the family blessing. You know, my kids um, now, they don't have grandpa and grandma in their life. My grandkids don't have great grandpa, great grandma, but they have us and we can be a part of their lives as much as possible. 
And my daughter, Lindsay, asked us to watch the kids on Friday. So, of course, we said yes. And then it turned out Gwen had to work. So guess who was in charge of the five, five-month-old? Opa. And I, just go, I have to show you this video. Some of you guys saw this. But, but I show you this video. Do you guys got it up there? Yeah, there it is. So I show you this. Isn't she great? This was Friday. I show you this to say I would have missed this. Now, I had a hundred things to do. I could paint the house. I could weed the weeds. I could, you know, do a bunch of stuff. And, in fact, Lindsay said, Dad, you can paint while you have her. And I'm like, no. No. I'm going to be there for Winnie. That's it. I'm going to be there for her because I know I could easily ignore her if I start doing my own thing. And the point I want to make is this, that I could have missed out on that moment, which to me is probably worth more than weeding. What do you think? <laughs> Plus, I hate weeding. But I could have missed that moment. And I had, a, I had six hours or so to just be a part of her little life, hopefully make some connections with her, hopefully build the foundation of, I hope, a lot more years of being in her life. But those are the moments that can quickly pass us by if we don't take advantage of them. So grandpas and grandmas, I just want to remind you to do that. Take advantage of the relationship that you have with your children and your children's children. I would like, in closing today, if I could have all the men in the room, whether you have kids or not, all the men stand, okay? I know you hate that, so sorry. But I want to impart a blessing to you. Worship team's going to come. We're going to sing one more song. And I want to impart a blessing to you. I want to impart the blessing of our Heavenly Father who loves you so much. So it doesn't matter if you have kids or not or grandkids. This is from your Heavenly Father, okay? Because He loves you. He delights in you. And He wants you to believe that. So, Father, today, as I just extend my hands over my brothers, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your incredible love for us. And I lift up every man in the room Individually, not, not as a group today, but individually, Lord, we each have a perspective on whether you delight in us or how much you delight in us. And I think for many of us, we carry wounds from possibly a, a father that maybe didn't love us as well as we needed or would have liked. Or maybe he just didn't know how, or maybe his soul had gone down into the English Channel. And so, Lord, today for us men... I pray that we would be able to receive from you more and more the solid love that you have for us, the solid delight that you have in us. And that out of that love and out of that delight, we would be able to give more and more of our hearts to the people that we love, whether it's our our parents or our kids or our grandkids or our friends. God, that as men, we would be men who make a positive impact on the lives of those around us. So God bless Especially today, bless our fathers standing in the room, watching online. Bless the grandfathers today, Lord. Help them know how much you delight in them and help them to delight in their own children and grandchildren. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Ladies, would you join the men and stand, please? We're going to close with one more great worship song.